0: So oh, thanks for taking the time to do this and congratulations on the release of the phenomenally good new album *Wither on the vine. It's not even been a week since release 30th September. Uh, we are six days, six days since the release. How have you found a reception to it so far?
1: Um, yeah, really positive. Um, uh, there's some reviews in Red yours, obviously. Um, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, like really positive. Um, still waiting on, a, on, on reviews to come out really, because I know that's, Um, there was a ton of releases that all come out, like, in the last week. So there's just, I guess, like a backlog. So we're still waiting on, like, some of the, you know, the bigger magazines and um, blogs and stuff to come out with reviews. Um, But anything I've seen so far has been, like, really positive. So that's great. Yeah, super happy.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong about, kind of, that That week was uh, an intense week of releases. Um, So there's always that kind of, like, thing where you almost get buried if um you aren't the size of say slipknot who released their album on the 30th as well and stuff like that but yeah i've been noticing as well the reception's been really really positive particularly um not so much on the review front necessarily more on the sort of fan listener comment section on social media and aspects like that is that something uh you've been reading do you pay attention much to that
1: um I, yeah i do like i know probably some um musicians just put stuff out there and then maybe read like Read very little reviews or comments, but um, but I'm reading every everything, every one of them essentially, um, just because well, one thing like we've been sitting on the record for a year almost before it came out, so um, I'm just curious um to hear what people think of it, and obviously it was a while since our last record, so it's just curiosity, you know, um, but um, and uh, yeah, and like you know the the fans that have been into the band for the first couple of albums, um they have like supported us by buying merch and stuff over the years even when we were inactive so um i'm just uh yeah just just curious to see see comments and what, what they think and yeah it's been, it's been great though like really positive like they say.
0: yeah and as you said i mean it's such early days we not even got close to the dust settling um this whole period the, the build to an album release and then the period after it, it's such a a long ex experience why what 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 meant that you had to sit in the album for a year is it purely what we all tend to think it is the pandemic
1: no not really no um, it was more, well <clears throat> sorry kind of is the answer um so because we finished the record like um more or less this time last year mm. um and then we spent a couple of months um sort of label hunting so um we sent us like a, you know some different people um that we felt like interested and um and in the end there was like quite quite a bit of interest which was um re- really sort of reassuring and, and kind of nice um but that got kind of sorted pretty quickly once like candlelight came along and i got talking to, to Darren and stuff it was mainly um that we wanted the the physical copies like the vinyl and everything to come out all at once um and obviously there's a huge delay um, on vinyl production at the minute um part of that was um I th- possibly due to the pandemic, but um, mainly due to uh, the, the war in Ukraine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so like nickel supplies for the, for, the, for the stampers or whatever, for actually stamping the records. Um, so that meant that there was like, it was seven or eight months out from delivery, um, which is, is longer than it had been, I guess, a few years ago. So um, mainly it was because we, we, we had a slot then for September and we wanted everything to come out all at once. If we, like we could have released it probably say, I don't know, May or June if we wanted to, if it was just digital and then finally it going to come. But um, we thought at this stage, no one's heard anything in a few years anyway, so we may as well just wait. Um, there's there's no, no reason not to. So yeah, mainly that. So I think um, war in Ukraine and possibly pandemic, like supply issues and things, adding to the, the lead time, basically.
0: Yeah, it's the boring aspect of the industry really, isn't it? This um, delays that come... Uh, and just end up holding things, and it, it you know, it, what you say makes complete sense. Why, why put it out just digitally when you can just wait a couple more months and then drop everything out once? Um, it certainly, uh, I think, paid off and will over time. Um, I think they,
1: like not not every band, I suppose. Like I've seen bands just putting putting the digital out first and then taking pre-orders for the final If their situation is like they're currently touring or they're you know they're they're active and it's like they want to keep pushing things along as opposed to having six or seven months of nothing. But for us, because it had been a few years since our last record anyway, it was fine just to wait because we didn't have anything else lined up. So that was, that was fine.
0: You, you didn't feel any pressure or any expectation from the fan base?
1: Not really, because like I say, it had been like six, six or seven years or something. So it was like, <laughs> what's another six months? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, some people didn't even think we were putting um, anything. We were ever going to do another album. I mean, at one point I was like, not sure even. But um, uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, people were just happy to, you know, do
0: it. Well, it is out now and having heard the album myself, I can't help but think you, you were on a creative high, probably like no other when it came to creating it. Was this the case and was there anything specific that kind of made the writing period so fruitful?
1: Um, I mean, <clears throat> what I describe it as fruitful because it was sort of like over, it was over a couple of years, really um and then there was like a burst at the end once everything was like 50 or 60 percent done and then we had studio time booked it's like right get these songs like properly hammered home and, and finished and stuff um but I, I don't really know it i think this time around it just um like really put the hours in you know um like spent a lot of time on pre-production which was the big difference this time around so like <clears throat> for the first record um it was like mostly Half of it was the stuff that we had in our first demos when the band started. Um, so half the album was kind of done. And then the last like two or three tracks were sort of done as we approached the studio kind of quickly. Um, second album was done in like 11 weeks, like written and recorded. So it was like, a huge rush with no pre-production. We um, were just like going into the rehearsal room bashing stuff out. Um, this one, um, because the band was kind of on a semi-hi- semi-hiatus anyway, And then also we entered the pandemic where everything just seemed to stop. Mm. Um, It was just seemed like a natural, like good point to like reset, if you like, um, uh, and just take our, take our time over stuff. So we ended up with, um, like full demos, um, for the whole record, like everything from bass, like, um, textures, uh, piano and stuff, like all, all those little extras were all, were all demoed. So going into that level of detail, I suppose, um, Like really helped and made made the difference I think uh, this time around Um, and then uh, as well as that like compositionally we just tried to widen the margins a bit and um, just uh, remove any sort of preconceived barriers we had over what we should be doing what it should sound like Um, and uh, you know that was that was kind of helpful in terms of putting the stuff together Um, and then as well as that, I'd done like a, a side project between our last album and this one, which is like a pure sort of like straight up heavy metal worship, like mm-hmm. early 80s deal type thing. Um, and that kind of helped me get some things out of my system that, because one, one of the things that I was sort of critical of in the past with us was um, maybe it was trying to cram too many influences into the band or trying to like satisfy too many creative urges. So stripping out that like straight up heavy metal kind of thing made me more comfortable, like pushing the sound of this record into its own sort of like more like dark sort of um, do me mature sort of phase, if you like. So um, that's kind of the context of of, of how this was written and how it came about.
0: In those early days, the creation, the early stages of Wither on the Vine, did you you have a vision of what you wanted it to be? Um, And if so, what did that look like?
1: Initially, not really. And that was kind of the problem. Like, there was a conversation I was having with myself where I was like, what's the point of this project now? Like, does it have anything useful to say? Like, where is it going? So I didn't really know. And Like I said, then I just sort of stripped everything back and um, it was kind of like feeling like, well, when you're inactive, it's, you're separated from like an audience and everything. So you can kind of feel a, a little bit isolated. Mm. Um, and sometimes it feels like nobody's listening or you don't have any anybody that's interested in music. So you're just like, well, if I really just want to satisfy myself and I'll satisfy ourselves here as a band. I will just do really whatever we want to do. So what will that look like? So um, we just started putting a couple of songs together. And then once the first couple of tracks kind of um, came together and they were pulling slightly different flavors and influences from, from some of the previous stuff, um, that's when I kind of knew, okay, yeah, there's something kind of interesting here. So, so for example, one of the first songs that was fully completed instrumentally was Floodlands. Um, and I thought that was an interesting track, something that we hadn't done before, um, encompassed some of the elements that we had previously that, that I thought were, were good and interesting. Um, so from then onwards, it was like, OK, I can kind of see where this is maybe going to go now. and I kind of had an idea in my head, like buzzwords in my head of what I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of be like. Um, And uh, and then it it sort of progressed from there, essentially. So I sort
0: of had a framework from from then on. So would you say that kind of open mind aspect, that uh, see what happens, kind of direction steered where you were going at times? And um, did you find there were instances, particularly considering it was spread over a couple of years, instances where outside forces kind of dictated where you went? Um. uh,
2: don't know really. I guess, um, like I say, I
1: just had a we had a framework in mind of things that we wanted to do with it and things that we that we wanted to avoid. So there was like certain kinds of tracks, like on the um, on the last record, and we were like, eh, "That's let's kind of leave that behind. That's you know, we well not done that." Um, and then there were elements that we wanted to bring in. So um, things like you know, I was like, "Okay, we, like a drummer was a great extreme metal drummer." um and uh, really good at blast beats and things and it's like we should try and marry that up with some of the you know the clean vocals that we have because that's kind of interesting um but um there's nothing really in terms of external like influences or forces it was just you know how can we do something here that's interesting for ourselves if you like um and kind of going on the basis that like like i say being a little bit jaded going maybe nobody's going to hear this anyway so it may as well just be whatever kind of um gives us a pause so um i don't know if that, if that answers
0: your question but no no it's great it's great it just makes me think that um when you have that kind of mindset there's almost a the sense that when you're thinking okay maybe people may never hear this or may never come to anything um that that you might then lack focus or that might dictate the focus and sometimes it doesn't um necessarily result in um something workable so yeah, yeah. Was, that, was that a really challenging aspect of creating the album, where you ended up having to um, feel like you were creating something that was going to end up going out?
1: Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, it definitely, it wasn't the case where it was just like, let's just put down any old shit that we think is, you know, like, well, here's a funk section. We don't care, that's fine. Not so much that there. It was more, um, uh, I guess, like I say, when the first couple of tracks came together, it sort of, it was a, those a, a direction and a pathway, but initially getting to that point was sort of like anything was was sort of fair game. Um, one thing that that uh, I kind of realized afterwards as well is as as um as the band sometimes you think that you're you're like um being way more adventurous than you actually are. Like sometimes um in the context uh of writing you think that you're being um you're bringing in more extreme influences than is really the case so for example like i remember at the time thinking this organ would be really cool there's some organ and you know piano and stuff and there' a cello section and you know that's really cool because i haven't done that before and i thought this is going to be really different but really it's the whole thing still has our dna on it so it's not like it doesn't sound as um far removed as out there as as you think at the time and that's what kind of one thing i, I sort of realized from talking to people that heard the album reading reviews, it's not as much of a departure, really, as I kind of thought initially, Um, you just sometimes you think that these things um, are, are, as I say, more of a departure than they really are. But um, once you have like mine and Sarah's guitar playing and Crumb's voice and stuff there, there's still kind of a signature anyway. So um, it's still, the whole thing still sort of sounds like, like darkest era in a sense, but it's just evolved a little bit.
0: I mean, it's cliche almost to say, but ultimately you gave yourself creative freedom. Um, you know, when you're going to be working on a Darkest Era album, as much as you might try to drag those uh, outside influences in, you ultimately know as well and how you feel you're going to have a specific sound. So I'm not surprised that the majority of people are getting that um, vibe from it. It's clear, even though it's, uh, well, it's your best work to date, that creative freedom really uh, paid off. But what were some of the more challenging aspects then overall? Do you think was it just the 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 the, the too much time? <clears throat>
2: um, <clears throat> well,
1: having a deadline and those kind of things can can push things on for sure. Mm. Um, really though, like this time we, we didn't want to book the studio until we were absolutely sure that we had something solid. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, this time around, the whole process, the whole writing process, was different simply because the first two records, um, most of us were kind of living in the same vicinity, um, and we were still kind of like young, like early mid twenties, and we're still in that sort of mode of like you can go and practice every week, just get into a room on a Sunday or a Saturday. Nobody really has obligations, you know, real serious obligations. So. Um, no problem you can meet up for like three or four hours every week and just bash stuff out um, somebody brings a riff um, just just hammer songs out week in week out um, and that's kind of how we did it in the past really we didn't um, demo stuff or record stuff at home So I hated like I was a bit rubbish with technology in the beginning as well and I just couldn't be arsed sitting and like recording riffs on, on logic and stuff and I was really reluctant to to Get into that, even though some of the other guys, like, um, like Cameron, a drummer, for example, was like, "This would be way easier if you would do this," you know, and he was right. But um, so this time around, it was everything was written in isolation, so not COVID isolation, but uh, mm-hmm. we were all living in different parts of the country. Um, Sarah and Daniel were living in in uh, England, Wales, and three were different parts of Northern Ireland. So um, it was all like recording little demos ourselves and then sending them back and forth. So, like, when we went into the studio, we hadn't played the songs together as a band at all. Um, I jammed them out with a drummer, but that's that was really it. So that was kind of a new way of doing things, um, which, yeah, it made mean, it worked out fine, but definitely different to how we used to do it. Really.
0: When you reflect on that, differences is that something you can take positives from, e.g., stuff from that that you've learned this time around, forced to learn, and that you think, okay, well, that did work really nicely for us, and where I would love to take that into the future. Um,
1: well, I think this is just going to be the way of it now, because like, mm. I mean, we all have um, real life commitments, which is one of the reasons why we kind of went on hiatus in the first place. But um, uh, you know, a couple of us have. Families and things. Everybody's got jobs or studying or whatever. Um, so this is going to be the way of it. We're never really going to be able to meet up and just jam for the hell of it. That's just not. That's just not happening. Yeah. Um, so th- this is how we'll do things. If there's another record, this is how it'll be done. People will be demoing parts uh, and then sending them via Dropbox and all the rest of it. And um, I- I'm kind of comfortable with that now. And I, I definitely, for me, it was like a learning process, like writing things on my own and then bringing them to everybody else in this sort of form. Um, I'm kind of like I say comfortable with that now um, I think it works well um, I, I definitely work better having like um, things demoed and then being able to take a bit of space from them and then come back and stuff um, so yeah I think um, that's, that's the way forward and like a lot of bands are doing that as well mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know um, unless it's like bands of like teenagers now I don't know if anybody's really just meeting up every week and hammering stuff out, you know, and that's the way to do it. And not doing home recordings and stuff, so which is a shame because I kind of like part of me does miss those like days where you're kind of just like a big gang and you're hanging out, um, drinking beers and playing music every week, and that's like <laughs> what you do. Like I, I do kind of miss that part of it, but um, uh, but yeah, in terms of if we do another record, this would be the way it's done, and I'll be happy enough.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. It's a very rare, very rare that I speak to any band, um, even if they're new or been around 20, 30 odd years. that still just go. Oh, yeah. What we do is we get to the uh, the lockup every week and just hammer out tracks that way. Just isn't how it's done. Real life, um, real life commitments are too important. Um, and it's very hard to make, as sad as it is, music your day job.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's that, and then also, like, <clears throat> something we talk about a lot here is um, about younger bands coming through and comparing like this old man thing, which I am now, it feels like, but I'm comparing the scene now to how it was when we were coming up. And um, it just feels like, uh, at least um, when we were starting out, there was a lot of activity with other bands, um, and um, like, you know, loads of people forming bands and like playing gigs and stuff. And I'm not sure whether. Like, in Belfast, for example, um, there are some, but I'm not sure there's that scene of, like, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, like,
2: Mm.
1: every week playing Slayer covers and, and, um, you know, I don't know, I I think it's, things have, the scene has has changed a lot since then in general, so, but, um, yeah, like I say, for us, this is just where we're at now, that's that's all right, you know.
0: I'm just glad you're comfortable with it. Um, that's the most important thing. And if it's, uh, it works for you, and makes you happy, then hey, that's, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other side project thing, um, uh, part of that was to sort of try and like, replace some of those. So like we would just, we played with a bunch of covers together and um, the plan originally was that we would not meet up every week and rehearse, but like we would just um, get together every once in a while and write some heavy metal, but also mm. just like, play some covers and just have a laugh yeah um, that's still the plan but um it, again things have gotten kind of busy with this and that but um, but um so i'm hoping that project will satisfy some of those like base metal urges <laughs> like.
0: i mean you're a musician you're an artist um these urges to try and do different things are gonna always come i think i oh, know always just part and parcel of you so you've got to some find some outlet
1: yeah 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 pretty much and like i say i miss those kind of days where you're just meeting up a the room mm. like drinking beer and making noise whatever so. <laughs>
0: On the album, um, has there been one specific track so far that you've seen listeners take to that perhaps you didn't necessarily think would be the one they took to?
1: Um, Not really, it's still kind of early days, in terms of like reviews and feedback and things. Um, But um, some people have like pointed out um, With Tragedy in Our Blood as a song that they really like. and once we kind of recorded that, I was like, no, nah, that maybe didn't turn out as as well as I had in my head. Um, but yeah, people, people kind of dig that. Um, um, yeah, well, it's too early, I think, to say, yeah. really. But um, I mean, people have, in terms of people's favorite songs that I've been talking to so far, there's quite a, a range. So p- people have said like Typhonus, The Collapse, Path New the Roots, um, Floodlands. So there's like three or four songs which people seem to you know, um,
0: prefer, which is good. It will be. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's only, it's not even been a week. So I think uh, a couple of months down the line, it's going to be fascinating to see when that settles down, when people really go, and that's the one. Um, yeah, maybe. I'm going to try though. I'm going to try. Cause it's hard for me to pick out one specific track that truly stands up more than any other on the album, but I am going to give it a shot because um, I had it a little bit longer uh, than most people. So it is The Collapse, my personal favorite track on the album, Uplifting, Depressing, and Equal Measures. And that's it. I kind of want to pick your brains about that specific track in regards to uh, the creation of it, how it came together. Was it a straightforward process?
1: Um, yeah, <clears throat> it was one of the tracks that came came together, like, well, instrumentally at least, it came together the quickest. Um, I, again, I had that one fully demoed, more or less, um, on Logic, like, Pretty pretty early on, um, and that one came from just the main riff, as far as I remember. Um, mm. So like the main um, guitar riff at the start, um, and um, and then I just built it from there, basically for the. That was the only track really. So our, our bassist Daniel like excelled himself. I th- personally think with like the bass on this record, um, done an amazing job. This one was the only song that I wrote some bass bits for though um so um the, the little kind of bass uh like in the verse sort of it's, it's like sort of a rhythmic little thing um i t- kind of wrote that and then um put like that sort of goth uh guitar clean guitar part on top um and um and yeah so it like had had most of the parts that pretty quickly for whatever reason it just it just came together like that um but uh crumb had to give credit to him like did all of the work there on the vocals, um, wrote the vocal melody for that one. Um for the chorus when we were recording that. So we just had the um like the sort of the main vocal line but none of the choral stuff. So in the studio um we recorded the, the, the lead line and then myself and Sarah were um going to pick up her um son from, from daycare mm. so it, like it's gonna be like an hour and a half round trip to go there and whatever else. So we left Crumb like as he just finished that lead vocal line, and then by the time we came back, he had that whole choral thing like written and recorded and doubled. So there's something like I think it's like twenty vocal lines, um, because there's like two different five part harmonies, and then he doubled each each one. And um, I, I always say it's like that scene in The Simpsons where like Krusty the Clown is recording the the voice for like the Krusty doll. And he just goes into the studio and like bashes it out and, and leaves and the guy's like okay crusty we're you know? <laughs> uh, so he just like he just smashed it um so i think yeah Crom really really shines in that one um and the vocals it was it was a cool demo instrumentally but i think the vocals really make it um and uh and yeah the outro riff is just like a wee wink and a nod just something that opeth might do in terms of the melody like the one of the fans um i love those kind of harmonized lead parts that they do like lead melodies mm. um, which was like one more of that so that's yeah not a million miles away from that kind of thing um so yeah and again vocally on the verse trying something different there as well as opposed to like the straight up you know um bellowing vocal we thought we'd just strip it down kind of do something a bit more subtle um and uh, yeah it's, it seemed to seem to work well there's a lot of different things in there of course
0: Ask me next week, I'll have a different favourite. Um, it is such a strong album overall. When you when you reflect on the period from start uh, all those years ago to last week, release date, what does Wither on a Vine mean to you? And I guess, what do you hope long-term it will mean for Darkest Era? <clears throat> um, I guess it's the
1: um, so, so the album, it's the most happy I've been with any of our albums. Like I think say that with some sort of sense of um objectivity because i remember sort of how i felt after each album
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, definitely um this feels like you know it has um sort of the strongest identity of, of its own which is really important um uh it feels like what we've been kind of like building towards um and um yeah i'm just i'm just like really happy with it i think it's it's um thematically and everything else it's uh, you know a dark reflection obviously on where I feel like the world is at at the minute so I feel like it's themes and things are like relevant mm. it's nice. um, so I feel like people might get something out of it in that sense compared to maybe some of the other records um, and uh, hopefully it'll just kind of you know uh, reignite things for us a little bit and be maybe the catalyst that gets us to the next stage of getting some shows and tours and festivals and things and just uh, gets the band in front of people again really so that's what i was you know, that was my one one sort of hope with this record um was that it would just really uh, get to play the songs in front of people so fingers crossed that happens but um i think job one was like uh, i really wanted to make an album that would stand over and go 100 happy with this couldn't have done anything you know more to make it a, a good record so, um, you know, job done in that sense. And I think everyone's everyone's happy. The songs are as good as they could have been at that point in time. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully we get to, to, to play some some shows and play the songs in front of people.
0: Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. I really am glad to hear that. As well, you know, going into 2023, we now having a happily a reset of things like the festival season, the hangover of COVID with all the uh, old bookings are now wiped clean. So there's less like there's a stronger possibility that you'll be able to get on these bills do we have much in a way to look forward to for the remainder of 2022 in regards to darkest era and what does 2023 look like as it pertains to the band <clears throat>
1: um <clears throat> it's hard to say right now like for, for the we've done some shows already this year um uh because we like we don't we've always got some gig offers in the past mm we declined a lot of them because um, it got to a point where I was like, it's been so long since our last record. I do not feel like playing, you know, gigs with these songs anymore. Like, it just, it's just no interest, you know? Um, but um, once, uh, once we had this kind of new record on the horizon, it's like, right, well, we should maybe do the, some shows. So we did a handful this year. We have our album launch show in, um, in Belfast uh, Saturday week. Yeah. Um, and then that's really it for, for, for this year. And then next year, um, there's a couple of things on the horizon that we're hoping we to confirm, and um, just basically um, fill up some weekends and, and some stuff here and there. So there will be things next year. Um, nothing that we can uh, announce yet. Um, but um, but like you say, the, the the sort of slate is clean now because there isn't that backlog of um, two years of festivals that are you know um, being rebooked. So. Uh, hopefully we should uh, have some festival spots and things. What I would, would say is it's still like incredibly difficult for bands of our size really because there's just so much music out there, so many bands and everyone's trying to you know, um, act, like everyone's trying to tour right now, like literally everyone mm-hmm. and what you notice as well is that like a lot of um, uh, bigger bands are sort of buddying up to share risk and share gear and share like resources and share dates and things um, <clears throat> which means there maybe isn't as Many opportunities for like smaller bands like us to tag on, yep. slot or something as there, as there might have been. Um, so uh, it's yeah, it's it's tricky, like we'll, we'll give it our best shot, but it's it's definitely tricky out there right now for, for everybody.
0: No, it is, it is, it is the survival of smaller grassroots venues, um, not just in um, Ireland as uh, it's in the UK as well and across Europe. Um, I guess what we say is watch this space. Fingers crossed, you get, um, we get to see you play all around next year.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We will just, uh, we'll get there. We'll announce
0: it in due course. We'll get there. Yep. That's it. That's it. That's uh, that's the, the, the line for the whole industry, I think, sometimes at times. We'll get yeah, there eventually. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. A last one, really, and completely unrelated to music. It's October. It's a spooky season. Are you a Halloween fan, as in the season Halloween? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. From first of September is like, halloween mode you know the um uh typo
1: negative records come out and uh, <laughs> the guns and roses records go back on the shelf and, um yeah yeah for sure it's um we just we live just across from like a huge park and stuff so we get to you know to see everything everything unfold and everything so um
0: yeah i love love halloween would you like to do What do you like to do around this period um during like autumn in general oh um, uh, well in in a sort of halloween window
1: Halloween. Um, well, we have two young kids. Um, but they're just starting to get old enough now that they um, they kind of know what's going on with Halloween. Um, so I guess we're going to go like trick or treating with them um, around the neighborhood. This is going to be a lot of fun. Get them dressed up. Um, probably go to um, some other wee party or something like that. There or, you know stuff them full of sweets and things. So that's that's going to be fun. Um, for sure uh and then if we get a chance we might i don't know if there's a more adult oriented halloween party where we can have have beer and listen to sisters of mercy or something or i don't know (laughs) that could be cool but yeah we'll see but no halloween yeah it's uh definitely um uh i think there's a period whenever you're you're younger where it's like stops being cool again yeah after after being like loads of fun and then when you get older again sort of like especially with with kids and stuff we rediscover so
0: you just nailed that there. kids make a make make a big difference to enjoying it. But before you go, I just want to ask because we we the we GBHBL we uh, horror is a major aspect of what we do. It's what we love. It's what we enjoy. So in my worst ghost faced voice, what's your favorite scary movie? Favorite scary movie? I
1: uh, don't know
0: what my favorite would be. Mm. Like,
1: I'll give you well. I don't know my Halloween favorites. So I'll always put on Ghostbusters because um, it's like possibly one of the best movies ever made. Um, we always put on uh, The Devil Rides Out around this time of year. Wow. Um, what else? Khaksan, um like old horror stuff usually, um, and then some some recent like stuff that has been scary. I thought was uh, like uh, Hereditary or Midsummer, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but
0: I mean, I don't know, like Camp 80s horror is always a good shot in this house. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, anything like that is all good. Uh, there's a wide array out there of Camp 80s horror. Um, and it's always interesting, you know, whenever I talk to horror with a lot of people, um, the likes of Heredity and Midsummer they come up a lot. I think they're some of the biggest, like not necessarily the biggest, but the most influential modern horror movies that seem to have resonated with a wide audience.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, there was an element to those, at least the end of Hereditary, and then in Midsummer there was an element of sort of like retro cult horror, I thought, and just how they, how they were sort of shocked and how they how they looked, um, and uh, I you know I thought that was really cool. Um, so, and I mean after that we went through a phase of of like I say watching just some some really old cult stuff that kind of like. Especially in the heavy metal sphere or whatever, was aware of, but had never seen. So stuff like um, like Blood and Satan's Claw, yeah, and, you know those, and then some Hammer Horror stuff. And um, uh, was it like Witchfinder General? And um,
0: you ever seen yeah. the Devil's Rain? Did I see the Devil's Devil's Rain? No, no, I haven't seen it. That's a, that's a, check that out. That is a crazy cult kind of one. Um, like had Anton LeVay as like a producer or I think involved in it. And it like stars William Shatner and uh, a really young John Travolta. But it's a very, an occult, very cultish movie.
1: All right. Yeah. yeah I love it to my list. Sounds good. I think it's like 70s as well. So quite old. Yeah. Yeah. Anything from that, like it just has a, I don't know, an aura about it. That's vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Christopher Lee as well, as always good
0: show, so. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to let you get on with your day. Thank you so much for taking the time to do it. It's been an absolute pleasure. With On A Vine is out now by Candlelight Records. Check it out. It is spectacular. Thanks again, man. Thank much. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on GBHBL.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL. Games, horror, and heavy metal. What else is life for?